0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: it is monday which means it's time for the weekend review with me adam boltwood alongside me as always is of course lawrence mckenna welcome back dave o'brien Hello. And Chris Hennage. Hey. The gang is all here, folks, to talk about the FA Cup third round action. We're going to be talking our team of the year as well, uh, with the the FIFA Pro Eleven being announced later on tonight. We'll also be rounding up the European football and, of course, announcing the winner of Player of the Week, which you've been voting for on Twitter. Um, Got to get into the FA Cup first, though, Lawrence. Are you feeling the magic? Did you feel the magic this weekend? Um, I not maybe I'm
2: just not into magicians.
1: No, just don't um, fancy it. I, th- I thought it was a really good weekend. I,
2: I I enjoy the contrast. I just don't. I think if anything, it pisses me off a little bit that people mm. keep saying this is the magic of the FA Cup. And we have this conversation every year. Everyone has exactly the same conversation. We all go, "Is it magic? Isn't it magic? Why don't <laughs> we just stop referring to it as magic?" Or we'll do it because once. it is
1: magic. There's witchcraft we, in the FA Cup, you know.
2: In the same way that you have to buy the rights to um be able to show goals maybe you have to be able to buy rights to be able to say the magic of the FA Cup and then everyone else stop saying it. Um, and then, so um, maybe, maybe like, only BT Sport can say the magic of the FA Cup. Well, and then everyone else has to basically just explain football instead of just, instead of every match just going, it's the magic of the FA Cup, mate.
1: I'll tell you what wasn't magic, Lawrence, and that was Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp, mate, by all accounts, well, he made a catastrophic error counting, and he picked the youngest counting, side in Liverpool's history and he got yeah. it all wrong, Right. Go fuck yourself, magic of the <laughs> FA Cup.
2: Um, I think, well, first of all, it's the youngest side ever in Liverpool's history.
1: Fantastic. Even with Lucas Lavering, as uh, Jürgen Klopp was very surprised to hear about uh, after the game.
2: Luke, but that's because Lucas looks like he's still 18.
1: Oh, so you think Jürgen Klopp just thought, ah, oh, here's a young buck. I'll, uh, I'll chuck him in the team, give him a chance. Um, and it's also respectful to say
2: him. Lucas is. I think Lucas is actually one of the bigger veterans of the team at Liverpool now, which maybe says quite a bit. Um he may, it may also have been one of his last games for Liverpool as he may be off to Inter Milan, um, a place where I do feel they need him. Um, as Liverpool, he's a great guy. Anyway, uh, the, the point is then that Liverpool, and I think Jurgen Klopp sort of made the point post-game, it's very hard to break a team down that sit so many men behind the ball, whether you're an experienced side or not, not least if you are a younger side. So I think he tried to paint it as a good exercise for Liverpool. Um, it's not as if Plymouth sort of went there and, created the magic of the FA Cup in the way that they were sort of swash swashbuckling, buccaneering team, they went and did what they were supposed to do, which was put a big striker up front, try and boss around Liverpool's back line. And a couple of times it almost worked. But I also think it's a great experience for the youngsters. Um, so when we, we come to the replay, um, I, I still think he'll play the youngsters. And if Liverpool do go out, then there's no shaming going out with a load of youngsters. And like, like the manager of uh, Plymouth himself said, these guys are in Liverpool's team for a reason. Um, so it makes sense that they're playing this side. And quite a few of those guys have had first-team starts um, and have been lauded by multiple guys in the press.
1: Is there a touch of damned if you do, damned if you don't? Because if Jürgen Klopp had played key players and you know, they've got a lot of games coming up this month, people would have said, oh, you should have arrested players, you should have arrested people like Adam Lana, blah, blah, blah. And then you know, if you do play the youngsters and give people a chance... You do end up, potentially, there is the risk of getting a replay like this with a long journey. You can't win either way, almost. I mean, you can, you can literally win. Um But
2: I, I, do, I do feel like, um at the same time, Jurgen Klopp, I don't think he buys into a lot of this stuff, to be honest. Um, I, genuinely, I, I don't know how much it affects him, the way that the press portray him. I think sometimes you can see him getting a little bit irritated by the same questions. But I don't know if he really cares about the way that it's portrayed. I think he knows the Liverpool fans, especially the fans at Anfield, sort of know what's going on. Um, and ultimately, it's not as if Liverpool did lose. And if they were to lose in the second leg, I I wouldn't feel so terrible about that. Um, having said that, I think there were some great youth performances. I also think there were some great performances on Plymouth side. And again, it's more great experience of sort of playing in a, in a more physical environment where maybe a lot of these youth players aren't used to that.
1: So you're you not fussed if they lose the replay, is what you say.
2: I mean, obviously, a fussed if your team win, but I mean, is it really that tragic to c- c- go out of the FA Cup? Not really. I don't know. Come I, I was kind of thinking, of fun.
1: You got was, to win it. Yeah, got I was kind fun. of thinking yeah, today. You know, Spurs' focus is we'll come on Spurs. You know, obviously finishing the top four, but we're out of the Champions League now. That was a massive uh, disaster. So winning the FA Cup, first time since 1991, that'd be. I think that'd be a nice achievement. You know, it's, it shouldn't it's not the main aim for a lot of clubs, and I don't think for a lot of fa- fans, it's the main priority. But no. surely, you know, you do want to win it. It's, it's a shame if you do go out at this stage, of course.
2: Well, obviously, I think it's a shame. I also think there's a longer term vision there. The longer term vision has to include that your main focus will always be the league at Liverpool now, because they've not won it for however long, 25, 26 years now. Um, it, it's the main focus. And, uh, you know, obviously, Brendan Rodgers and other managers have taken Liverpool to finals, but not won them. Um and the, the way that Brendan Rodgers is remembered and the way that a couple of other managers are remembered who didn't win what they were supposed to win at their time at the club um, will, will maybe show why Liverpool won't be so upset if they go out of the FA Cup. The, the focus is to get into the Champions League this season for Liverpool. If not, try and mount a title challenge based on the, the fact that, you know, you can see Liverpool don't have the depth of squad that they're supposed to having spent all that money.
1: They do now then face a long midweek trip to Devon for the replay Ooh, we're looking week. forward to it Yeah, just like Jurgen Klopp um, I'm, I'm glad you're on board Lawrence um, like you say though uh, Plymouth showed great organisation it's a great result for them they earned themselves the replay I think it's safe to say um, there were some criticism for Jurgen Klopp though Chris uh, for resting those players one the manager who didn't rest players was Pep Guardiola uh, his side Manchester City beating West Ham 5-0 at the London Stadium um, rewarded with a convincing win for putting out uh, essentially almost a full strength team Chris
3: yeah, it was it was really easy for them. They were really quite comfortable with their performance on Friday. I thought a lot of the the main protagonists came to the fore, the likes of De Bruyne, Silver, um, Aguero, it was fairly cut and dry. It, it's a shame because I think in in previous instances, granted he hasn't had much time, he has used a few youngsters, and Manu Garcia played against Swansea in the League Cup earlier in the season. Um, but I think perhaps the situation that he's in. At the minute with the the pressure that's placed on him dictates that it's it's not worth taking that risk because if he does go out especially in an early round in this competition then it's it's going to be seen as a greater uh, tragedy than perhaps it is so yeah I'll, I'll be curious to see how he handles the next few rounds whether maybe we see some of the the youngsters come in um because I think it, it could be a good competition for City in, in that respect and and they do need to start blooding youngsters um and- my opinion they need to start seeing some actual impact from that academy because it it boasts a lot i think it it looks great on paper and there are lots of nice sort of promotional videos that come out by the club but
1: its impact on the first team needs to be a bit stronger Mm. dave uh, a comfortable win for for pep in the end
4: yeah i think pep guardiola um you know was trying trying something a little bit new he went for a 442 diamond and it really suited some of the players i think that's the issue with pep he seems to have at the start of the season, he'd stumbled on a formation that really worked. They're playing the four, five, 4 3 3, 4 5 1, with the two full 3 eights in a way, De Bruyne and Silva. Then Grunduan comes back from injury, and you've got like the De Bruyne to bring in there. And there's too many players there, really. It's a difficult thing. It must give Guardiola a headache all the time, but he's gone with his diamond, and it suits that he's got quite a lot of prominent central players, but also forwards that can play a little bit wider. You know, we look at Ryan Sterling. I thought he was absolutely fantastic against. Um, against West Ham but City really did blow them away and yo Torre at defensive midfield again once again under Pep Guardiola uh, the first time at uh, Barcelona he played there and he's sort of you know finally fall, fallen back there and it could be a good role for him you know does move the ball very well potentially doesn't have that explosion that he had a few seasons ago but City were, I was impressed by City You know, impressed by Guardiola once again
1: Less so by West Ham, though. Humiliating result for them, Uh, apparently, according to reports, leaving Slav and Bilic with just two games to save his job. Uh, They've got Crystal Palace and Middlesbrough coming up next. I mean, last week, Dave, we spoke about West Ham's transfer policy, how we didn't feel like it made much sense. There's kind of a few strange signings in there. Do you think Bilic deserves the time and potentially the players, ideally a centre-back and a striker this month, to try and turn it around?
4: It's a, it's a real tough one for Bilic, because when they were in full flow, West Ham were one of the best sides in the Premier League to watch, and I think it's just that defensive organisation needs to work on that we've mentioned time and time again, but the bidding of David Goal in the last week or so is just pathetic. How was it, £3 million for Snodgrass? A player that's been directly involved in 53% of Hull's goals this season. Yeah, they're going to give him to you for £3 million. Are you mad? Like It's something that they need to address as a club. The issue is, obviously, the Premier League the, the money and the cash so if they go to any other leagues they're going to be like oh West Ham United yeah that'll be 50 million plus whatever we sell it to another Italian club let's say if they go to Liga, and you know someone like Lacazette would be perfect for any Premier League team let alone West Ham you completely take them to the next level but West Ham go for that they're going to be like oh 50 million please buddy mm. sorted and I think that's the issue of the Premier League and also uh, English football at the moment that it is difficult to recruit at the moment but they've got, they must have a team of analysts they must have a team of scouts why are they not coming up with players why are they going oh yeah let's look at the Premier League um, Snodgrass is doing pretty decent for a relegation side Ah, oh, Jermaine Defoe you know what well, come on you know what I mean like Jesus Christ lads
1: apparently they're going for
4: inspirational signings They've gone, for,
1: <laughs> they've gone for. they Well, they're going for Musa Dembele. Um, apparently, the uh, the Celtic striker, the young Celtic striker there, Patrice Evra, is apparently as well as a target, as is Scott Hogan um, from Brentford. So uh, that's what the scouting Hogan department knows best. That's what the scouting department has come up with so far. Um, <laughs> the the rumor for C is that Holger Badstuber. Is, uh, is coming in to strengthen that defence. It would be interesting <laughs> to see if uh, if he Another can do a job. Injured,
4: injury-prone player Pep Guardiola is going to sign. I think that's the yeah. issue of Pep Guardiola over the last few seasons is he's just
2: bought injured players. A strange one, yeah. It's it, as if he thinks he can heal them somehow with a magical
1: doctor. It's obviously uh, it's obviously a short-term uh, option or a short-term attempt at a fix. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've heard... Talk that uh, a lot of City players are going to be leaving in the summer. Bakary Sanya, Yaya Toure, uh, Kolarov, Clichy are going to be let go at the end of their contracts. So you'd expect uh, someone like Badstuber to be a short-term replacement before they do a lot of rebuilding in the summer. Um, let's talk about Arsenal, though, Lawrence. Uh, they beat. Preston 2-1. Um, got a bit of a shock going 1-0 down. Talk of another cup upset this weekend. But it was all about Olivier Giroud. Another late goal. Uh, four goals in as many games now. And ten goals in his last eight games altogether for the Gunners. Uh, turns out, you know, it's a case of what you're looking for is in front of you all along, Lawrence. He is a world-class striker that the fans have been asking for. Um, right. Are you are you being ironic? Um Maybe, no, I mean, maybe not. I want your, I, I want to get your reading on this situation because obviously he didn't start this season. Ham um, roll, mate, you're a ham roll. Wenger, Wenger obviously found uh, a different way to, to slot Sanchez into the team. Giroud didn't start until November in the Arsenal side. But for a player who's often derided, he is proving himself as uh, pretty crucial to, to Arsenal's hopes.
2: I think there are elements of Giroud that are derided, but, the, the, you know, I think a lot of fans look for certain things from every player. Um, And so you're going to get that from certain players, maybe a Sanchez. I found the interesting coverage of Sanchez when um, they drew three, all against Bournemouth, the difference between the way that people interpreted the way that Sanchez was acting. Um, And I think a lot of the time, again, fans um, project the way that they're feeling onto players. And the problem is a Giroud is a striker. So he's a prominent player within the side and B um, he's a striker who at times maybe has missed chances, which are, you'd also argue, well, it's Arsenal's um, it's Arsenal's fault for not providing him with better chances sometimes. He's sort of asked to convert things which are either tricky to convert chances, headers, or um, chances against sides who sit quite deep against Arsenal and try and play Arsenal the way that Arsenal are expected to. So he basically gets a lot of feelings or um, emotions about the club projected onto him. Uh, the fact is... There, there are a couple of different ways of approaching that then. If you want to approach your your best striker and sort of treat him with a softly, softly approach, Wenger is not. It's known that Wenger can do that. And actually it's worked very well with Alexis Sanchez. Or you sort of go for the stroke stroker's ego sort of striker and you stroke his ego a little bit. The problem being that when the fans don't play along with that and they're not performing so well, I do find it very weird that the fans suddenly get on his back.
1: I think it's a good point you make there about projecting the the frustrations with the club onto Giroud. I mean, last week we saw two assists and essentially the equaliser um, to, to get Arsenal back into that game against Bournemouth. He did that celebration, a uh, little scorpion kick flick. Where, you know, I criticised that. A lot of people did as well. That you, yeah, you, I think
2: it is ridiculous.
1: But it makes you question the mentality of Giroud. But I think, as you say, maybe that is a reflection of people... Projecting the club's problems onto to the player, I think a lot of it's historic as well. When you know when he came in to replace Van Persie, people weren't satisfied then. Um, there's a there's a frustration there that they haven't added that world class goal scorer. They've been linked with for all these years, and Giroud maybe bears the brunt of that. But Chris, he is proving to be uh, very influential lately.
3: He he has been uh, influential. I, I think I have a very flip flopping opinion of Olivier Giroud because on the one hand, oh. there are, there are times that I think. He is reliable and he is influential for Arsenal. I think you talk about the, the, the Preston FA Cup tie that's a, an important moment. There are also instances where I think he gives himself far too much credit. Um, the way kind of he celebrated the goal on Saturday was was a, I, I don't know why but it, it just kind of rubbed me up the wrong way because they were beating a championship team in the last minute with a fairly scrappy goal that took a fairly decent deflection as well. And he's going on like they've just managed to get into the final of the Champions League. It's just all a little bit, I don't know, it's a a weird club arsenal for me in in so many ways. Um, Because there's clearly so much politics around that club. Um, And whether that's because of the invention of, of fan channels and everything that goes with it, I'm not sure. It is a club that doesn't seem as united as, as previous seasons, that's that's for sure. Um, there is this weird partition between the players and the supporters, and I think when you see things like and this is no means of criticism probably, but when you see videos demanding that the players come and clap them, I can kind of understand that, but then when there's follow up videos in which, you know, the they show you whether they did or they didn't. It's it's a it's a funny situation. It just seems like there's a lot of angst there between everybody. There's a lot of angst, I think, because of the time that's been wasted and the potential that's been wasted. And you look at the fact that they've scraped through against Preston. I could see them then suffering in the next round. It's, it's just one of those situations where it doesn't seem as if there's that much sort of... I'm trying to think of the word for it. It doesn't seem as if there's there's that much of a winner's mentality in Arsenal these days.
2: From the fans all the players. It, it do, do you also think it's part... I think part of the problem is that uh, that there's always that angst that you talk about, Chris. And so the fans don't seem to enjoy the wins in the same way.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's... Always ten- that's you managed to say it in a sentence when I took a paragraph. That's essentially the, what I'm getting at
2: is that... Do you have lists?
3: Yeah, I know, right? Word counts and all that. Um, is, is that even when they win at the minute, they can't enjoy it. Now... This is where I get so sort of torn is that on the one hand, when you see after the Bournemouth game, a lot of Arsenal fans complaining, I completely understand that because they should have gone to Bournemouth and won and and put more momentum into their title challenge and all this kind of thing and come off the back of a great result. And yet that Preston thing, it's a similar kind of thing of like, if you're going to complain a little bit about the, the Bournemouth game, you know, common sense suggests you would not also be happy with the Preston result because it's a win but it's a very poor win and it has or it presents underlying problems there which are Arsenal are very, I would say susceptible to being counted quickly, they're not the greatest team defensively and but for a better pass for Callum Robinson to Jordan Hugel it's 2-0 going into half time so-, so
2: why aren't Liverpool fans doing the same? Is is it because it's a different it's a different um, area in the tenureship of Jurgen Klopp because- Because the fact is that, uh, and something maybe I didn't say in my analysis earlier, was uh, that that the same... The same issues were still there with Jurgen Klopp's side, whether they are uh, a youth side or whether they're an experienced team. And when he did bring experience on, then Liverpool still failed to break uh, Plymouth down. Now, it doesn't matter whether Plymouth was sitting back or not. The fact is that aside at the sides and a side have found a way to get around Liverpool's tactic. And Jurgen Klopp and his side couldn't find a solution to that. Now, he said he partly put that down to youth, but there's a wider question there and maybe a wider question to ask of someone like Arsene Wenger is, okay, then you should be finding solutions to the problem that these teams are putting out there. And to some extent he does, because Olivier Giroud counts as a solution. But it needs to be a more consistent solution in order to get that kind of end feeling of victory, right?
3: I think so. I think the reason it's different, and you alluded to it in the, the question there, is is the time span is, is totally different. That. There's been years of sort of resentment building up between Arsenal Wenger and Arsenal fans, and I can and I can, again I can yeah. I can see why that is because it feels as if it's it's potential that's been misused, and and that I think for a football fan is the most frustrating thing is that there are seasons, there are players, there are opportunities that haven't been taken. I mean, Gonzalo Higuain is perhaps a, a very good recent example of a player that Arsenal could have theoretically at one stage had. And now have to watch really push Juventus up to that next level. So it's such a complicated issue to unpack that I can see why people, and I use the examples because they're the the closest to hand, why there are people like Ty who have such boundless optimism for that football club. Because it is your football club and you want to believe that it is the best thing that exists and that everything is okay. But I also see... To an extent, and I'm important to to preface it with to an extent, why people like DT and troops and all this have so much animosity towards Wenger because it does feel like he's gone from someone that innovated and pushed them forward to now someone that is stopping them from moving forward again, who is actually, yeah. if anything, that's, weighing them down a
1: bit. That's the thing, isn't it? Because Lawrence, you know, Liverpool, you can clearly see the progress of what Jurgen Klopp's achieved in the last few years and what the the management of the club were trying to do by bringing him in the same with spurs you can see it's all moving in the right direction same with manchester united whereas as chris is alluding to at arsenal it's the same every single year for the past 10 15 years it feels like um it's just it must, it must be very frustrating and i think you see those frustrations boil over um in all sorts of places for for arsenal fans um Absolutely. let's talk about manchester united though dave um an easy win, a comfortable win for them this weekend. Uh, the headlines, of course, going to Wayne Rooney after their 4-0 win over Reading uh, for equaling Sir Bobby Charlton's goal-scoring record at Old Trafford. Opening the scoring goal, opening the scoring with his 249th goal for Manchester United, Dave. You must have loved it. Definitely not his
4: best goal. Um, I've seen better from Wayne Rooney. Just a little, a little thing on the last point. Is um, it the way he
2: shinned it, Dave?
4: Yeah, we wouldn't need it. You It know, just came off something yeah. and went in. What about um, that bicycle stick, you dick? exactly he's no Olivier Giroud is he pathetic but in terms of um, the Arsenal point the grass isn't always greener on the other side and I think Man United is an example a prime example of that obviously Ferguson retiring and then the likes of David Moyes and LVG coming in but now we're finally finding a bit of football a bit of form you know United unbeaten an eight game well sorry winning an eight game winning streak for the first time since 2009 so it's very positive from United but against um Against Reading, they were, they were quality. They should have probably won 7-8-0. Um, there were a lot of chances. One matter, Mr Hatful. Um, Rashford missed two one-on-ones. But United are really good. they really targeted areas of, of Reading that uh, probably have been exploited in the Championship this season. You know, the Reading's goal difference is in the single digits. Isn't that right, Chris?
3: Uh, I believe it is, yeah. They're, they're, they're not high scorers.
4: So in terms of how teams probably target them, they did pretty much what United did, which was attack the channels both in and behind them. So United were looking for those balls. They constantly picked up the ball and they were looking over the top in between the space between the centre-backs and the full-backs. Marcus Rashford was the guy that was doing the running. Michael Carrick. um, Marcus Rojo, who is surprising me a bit with his ability to bring the ball out the back from sort of left centre-back. You know, it's the second time the the Anthony Martial goal for Manchester United was Marcus Rojo bringing the ball back and waiting waiting for an opposition player to pressurise him, then playing the pass. And that's the second time he's done that in recent weeks where United have gone on to score from that motion of Rojo bringing it out Playing a pass and then you know the ball going into the back of net. But United were were fantastic and you know people are saying oh Red yeah, Red uh, you know it was just that United had better players. No, I think United were tactically very very good and they they performed. And Mourinho going with a four two three one with Wayne Rooney, Mata and Martial was a masterstroke. And again Mourinho getting it right. I'm so happy that he's now Manchester United manager after watching him for season after season after season parking the bus. And I love. I can't wait for him to park the bus against Liverpool this weekend. That will be <laughs> absolutely fantastic,
1: Dave. As for, for Rashford, though, Dave, uh, he got two goals. Um, one <coughs> of them was a, a complete gift. Ali Habs, kind of did one of those old-school Thierry Henry fake pass things. Uh, probably not the, the, the right place to do it. And probably not intentional, I think, it's safe to say as say well. Um, but obviously, a, a, a gimme for him. But after the game, Jose Mourinho tipping Marcus Rashford to, to become Manchester United's record goal scorer. Maybe one day surpass... Wayne Rooney um do you think that's uh in any way likely um
4: yeah, definitely yeah I think what Marcus Rashford's done very very well is in in the last uh, two games is, is listen to tactical instructions down to the t. you know against West Ham you have told to stay wide sold to isolate the fullback he did that and created a, you know the goal of the game that, that pretty much won United the game the second goal obviously offside then you go on to this game where he's listening to the tactical instructions again he's doing his work and if someone like you know you see some players like Memphis Depay that might not do that work and, and sort of follow it to the line. And if Rashford's doing that for Mourinho and he did it for Louis van Gaal and he got into a Louis van Gaal team and he scored goals for a Louis van Gaal team, this guy is going to be a phenom. You know, scoring goals for Louis van Gaal is so difficult. You know, you get one chance every every 65 minutes or something and then you've got to score that. And Marcus Rashford was putting the ball in the back. And like, what we're seeing this season is, you know, good spot at the start of the year out and then back in, reintroduced into the side. But as well, Mourinho doing well with young players. Let's not forget about that Anthony Martial, who wasn't used at the start, now is coming into the team and is looking really shit up. And Marcus mm-hmm. Rashford, two of the United's better players in recent weeks, and that is all credit to Jose Mourinho and how he's Jose Mourinho, sorry, and how he's used them at the correct times. It's a and again, stroke
1: of man management, eh?
4: yeah, of young players, Adam. Mourinho mm. gets it right with young players. You should say that consistently. Not um, something
1: you've been able to say very often previously. <laughs> no,
4: because we don't have Diego Melito in the side. So you know, if we had Diego Melito, then he'd be scoring goals for fun. So we wouldn't need Marcus Rashford.
1: Chris, uh, we've obviously discussed and debated uh, Rooney's legacy more than once on the podcast. I'm sure we will again when he actually breaks the record. Um, but for now, this achievement has to be appreciated, does it not?
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um... The one thing that I saw float around is is the fact that when you compare him to someone like Ronaldo Best, he's played up front, those guys didn't, and the scoring records are, are really quite close. They're, they're not oceans apart. Um, I, I think, again, that there's an air of, of similarity between the Arsenal situation and the situation with Rooney because it feels as if, again, he has had a slightly difficult relationship with Manchester United because it felt like at one point he propelled them forward and then there became a point where that reversed on itself and it felt like he was holding them back a bit. I think, as well, what didn't help him and, and the reason that maybe people aren't as um, universally uh, you know, adoring towards him from a Manchester United perspective is that there came a point where he turned around and said, I want to play with better players and if you want to keep me, you need to get better players. And... It's a bit of a fart on a crowded lift to say stuff like that, really, I think, it, especially in doing such a public way, because then there comes a point where actually fans will turn around and say, OK, well, you're not world-class anymore, so if you're going to talk about this team in, in a fairly business-like way, and I don't think he was wrong to do that. I can see his motivations for that. You have to accept that there comes a point where the club looks at you as a business decision as well, and that any of the sort of goodwill or sentiment that might be attached to your career and what you've achieved is jettisoned over the need to, continue moving forward and get yourself back up to the the top of the table
1: 249 goals in 543 competitive appearances then for United Um, looks set to break that record very soon elsewhere Tottenham beat Aston Villa 2-0 2-0 at home. Not much to say. Had to grind out the win. Um, only two players from the win over Chelsea were in the side. Toby Alderweireld and Eric Dyer. Um, nice to see Dier get the armband. Uh, ben Davies of called for his first goal for Spurs. Good to see him and the other squad players performing. Um, Kudu looked uh, pretty decent on the wing. He hasn't been given many chances this season. So nice to see him get an assist, as did Sissoko. Less so for Vincent Janssen. Uh, We've drawn after an hour. He only had one shot uh, in those 60 minutes on the pitch. Um, was made to look worse when Deli Ali comes on and Spurs find the breakthrough uh, soon after that. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, it would be nice to win the FA Cup. I think, as I said, you know, uh, finishing the top four is obviously the priority, um, but to win a trophy, and to win the FA Cup for the first time since 1991, would be quite an achievement and uh, miles above priorities, fans.
2: It,
1: mate. Yeah, you know, it's it's second, but I think you know, let's see how the draw goes tonight. Let's see how the draw goes. Um,
4: Albert, man, I've been I've been telling you all season that United are winning the domestic cup. Slash Europa League treble. You've got no chance.
1: Wow. The treble?
4: Yeah. The FA Cup, League Cup and of course the Europa League. Easy.
1: Not the Premier League though. You're not oh, going no. To it, maybe not. No chance. Dave's realistic. He's not a moron. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, sorry. It, was just, it, it just threw me when he said the treble there. Um, I didn't realise that was realistic but fair play. Little, uh, let's say it that way. Elsewhere Everton uh, losing 2-1 at home to Leicester City after going a goal up thanks to Romelu Lukaku. Ahmed Musa. The hero, Dave. Disappointing result for Everton, just as they were looking to build some momentum. But a positive, some much needed cheer around uh, around Leicester, Dave.
4: Yeah, it looked it looked good. Leicester City. They changed up their system. They didn't play the four four two. They've been playing for you know pretty much a year and a half or, or so. You know, going on to win the Premier League, they went to a four three three. um started off, had a few chances, but then I think he was withdrawn through injury. Came off on the thirty fifth minute. And Aqueb Musa went up top alone, and he used to do that for CSK Moscow. Um, And he's done that for Nigeria. And I think that's where he could play his best football as sort of a lone striker in a way. Obviously a different type of striker to a target man, but probably play more of a false nine in a way, drifts to the ball, pick it up, turn. But, you know, the first goal was scrappy that he scored. The second goal, though, was absolutely a brilliant team goal from Leicester City. And I feel like stacking that midfield with more players will help Leicester City in terms of how they're going to win games this season, having that extra man in midfield, that extra passing option, because they're getting more of the ball. Um, You know, teams are um, are not pressing them as high as they were when... They were just counter-attacking for fun. So I think it was a progressive step for Claudio Ranieri. And I hope that he sticks to that, you know, with Ahmed Musa, And, um, you know, when Vardy's back to play Vardy in that same role. But I, lo- I love Ahmed Musa Since he had that absolute worldie where he pretty much was as good as Lionel Messi for um, Nigeria when it was Argentina-Nigeria in the World Cup. Been a big fan. And he's, he's a player that, given the game time in the Premier League, will be decent. And you could see him moving on to the likes of United, the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Chelsea. Wow. You know, making that next step.
1: Wow, that second goal, especially as we said, was uh, was pretty impressive. So uh, yeah, Ahmed Musa, man to watch from Dave O'Brien there. Um, Hull City two, Swansea nil uh defeat for Paul Clement on his debut a win however for Marco Silva in his first game in charge to give Hull their first win since November um pretty doomy and gloomy though a lot of fans missing the game in protest uh, for Hull uh, not making the trip from Wales as well a lot of Swansea fans meaning over just over 6,000 people uh, actually watched the game in the stands um despite the win though uh Marco Silva didn't get any credit from Paul Mercer this weekend um Luke Dorr bringing this one to our attention on Twitter so thanks Luke Merson on Sky Sports this weekend, uh, seemingly unhappy with foreigners coming over here and taking our jobs, Lawrence. Um, basically bemoaning the lack of opportunities for English managers in the Premier League. Jeff Stelling pointing out that, you know, Silver has managed sporting, won the league with Olympiacos, to which Merson responded, I could well, win the league with Olympiacos. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, Merson is wrong. He couldn't win the league with Olympiacos. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, Um... Yeah. um I, 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 I'm at a bit of a loss as to why, why Merson or why they allow Paul on TV anymore. Um, I mean, it's not analysis. What it does provide is a sort of, a, I mean, it's freedom of speech in that sense. Um, but it sort of provides an insight as to why the English game is where it is. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it sort of shows, in the same way that Paul says why aren't more English managers getting opportunities, he's also showing why English managers aren't getting more opportunities. Um,
1: there is no irony just, there, isn't there? There is no irony. I
2: mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the ultimate parody from Sky Sports in many ways. Because what they've managed to do is hold up a mirror to Paul Merson and say, Paul, you are the issue.
1: I think um, it, it's just not all puntries like this. Um, no, but a majority. Paul Merson is obviously not the shining example of football puntry, but I think it does show that, you know, there is no irony. Hardly, in I
2: mean, Sky Sports is hardly that much. It's hardly a shining bastion of but,
1: um, well the interesting thing was that you know uh, Paul Merson sort of made these comments and, and Phil Thompson sort of joined in they're, they're basically criticising Silva he doesn't know the Premier League you know this guy doesn't know the Premier League how can he come over here and manage in the Premier League but he doesn't know anything about it so criticising this manager's perceived ignorance even though they don't know anything about him they're, they're also showing up their own ignorance you know and to be fair to Sky uh, Jeff Selling pointed out to them that they could only name one English manager they, that they wanted for the the whole job. That was Gary Rowett, who was the man who was widely linked with it. They couldn't name anyone else. And Matt Letizia himself shut them down by saying, well, you know, you get a foreign manager who comes in, someone who's doubted, someone who's not seen as, someone who knows the Premier League and can handle it. The last person who who sort of came in and did that was Mauricio Bochettino at Southampton. Obviously, there was a lot of criticism when Southampton brought him in. And now look what he's gone on to achieve. You know, I think the point for me would be that merson is sort of bringing up this point but not analyzing it any sort of meaningful way just saying there needs to be more england english managers they need to be hired whereas chris perhaps the bigger problem is where are those english managers coming from you know it's all well and good just saying give england, them to English. Mate. yeah but <laughs> yeah. yeah question. sorry I, I've, I've had a bit of a mercy myself there but i mean in terms of you know there's nowhere greece is But you've got to surely you've got to look at the bigger problem instead of saying oh just hire an English manager. You've got to look at why there aren't the English managers with the experience with the the pedigree there that Premier League clubs feel that they can they can employ.
3: You could argue the biggest threat or the biggest uh, inhibitor for English managers is English managers because the the ilk of let's say Gary Rowett, those younger managers coming through. Um, and I will find a different word for it because it'll start to sound silly, is the fact that there are much more experienced coaches, the likes of Pardew and Allardyce, who consistently find a spot in the Premier League. Um, Less so with Allardyce, admittedly, after being sacked and let go and such like. And they do, it is a little bit of a merry-go-round. And you have to think, well, surely there comes a point where you think, I'd rather give Gary Rowett a chance than... You know seasoned manager x who's just been sacked by another club that that's the problem is that really you can bemoan foreign managers all you want i think Pete as well it, it does kind of lead off that rooney point again that these clubs aren't doing it to be anti-english they're doing it be, because it makes business sense to them to hire marco silva because i imagine in their eyes and i don't think it's a ridiculous belief he has a better resume or a better cv than gary Rowett does because He's firstly taken Esther Hill to the Champions League. Yep. He did a fairly good job with sporting, was sacked for very bizarre reasons. And for all you can say about the Greek League, yes, Olympiacos have a dominance, of course they do. He still managed to win them the league, though. So they would rather give him the chance and see what he can do and potentially elevate them in a short space of time than take the risk of giving Gary Rowett his first Premier League job in the middle of a relegation fight and, and hope that something happens. Mm-hmm. It's... It's really not as bizarre a suggestion as as Paul Merson seems to think it is. Um, I, I think, honestly, and the same applies to Craig Burley as well, I think he's in a similar boat because, again, there are certain aspects of the game that he just finds massive issue with, including analytics. I think situations like these, programs like these, platforms like these, they need someone to actually debate them in an intelligent way. I think it's far too easy to just expect, you know, Jeff Stelling to chip in, and when he's playing the, the role of moderator, Latizia did a decent job of suggesting Pochettino. But even then, in saying that, he wasn't held to account for it. It was kind of brushed over, and he was allowed to continue on this tirade about unfortunate British managers. And I'm not going to go into the deeper overtones or, or kind of roots of the whole thing because I don't think there's any value in that. I do think that shows like that need a little bit of a revamp, though
2: what makes you say what you mean like four young Trenton, um young guys just sitting around having a chat i think yeah, also that's though, revolution uh, uh, but that's is, but uh, that's
3: part the part of the problem as well is that for them innovation in inverted commas, is doing something in a pub
2: Yeah, I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny whether I agree with those comments. But but, um, at the same time, that's the difficulty: is that for them,
3: innovation is okay. Well, we're not going to necessarily change the conversation we have, or or change the depth with which we approach it. We're going to (laughs) change.
2: Let's change where we have it. Yeah, let's
3: change
1: where we do it in a changing room. uh...
2: That's what I love: is there was there was a high end conceptual thinker who came in and went, "Guys, we need to be changing the space in which we're having this conversation," and they all go oh, Okay, the pub, and he's like, No, I don't mean that space.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. Dave. Chris does make a good point, though. Um, that the, there is a tendency by people like uh Paul Merson and, and Phil Thompson, who aren't the most eloquent of men, it has to be said. Um, I think All right, mate. The, well, the, the way
2: liberal, the way Mer- the way <laughs> in us how to do it. Nah,
1: come on. The way Merson, Merson put uh was trying to compare Gary Rowett to uh Marco Silva was, What is this geezer any different to Gary Rowett, you know? It's, uh...
2: But the fact is, he is, though, isn't he? And and you can't. But you also can't. Um, you can't blame other people for then returning the same xenophobia to the English that the English seems so ready to hand out. I mean, that's part of the problem. Is that. Someone like uh, Bob Bradley comes in at Swansea, doesn't find himself fully supported because he's not the manager that, that some people on the board want. And ultimately those people on the board use the old same old example of every English village uh, or the, the English village in hot Fuzz, which is it's the greater good that we're looking for of the club. So if we go down having sacked an American, it's better because we won't have, we won't have gone against the club's values and whatever the hell that means anyway. And then they don't expect English people to be treated in the same way. It's the same colonial idea that they've had for a hundred a hundred years thinking somehow that if they continue down the same route doing the same things and force other people down the same route, then they'll be able to get away with it and it's it's lazy it's lazy That's punditry the thing, because based you look that at lazy lifestyle,
1: yeah because I mean as chris says there's there's so many factors to it. It's not just or oh, uh let's dismiss a manager simply being foreign. We should be saying okay, well, where are the English managers coming from? Are they coming through the system? The Premier League, look at the pressures, look at the money, look at everything that goes into it that makes hiring a young English manager too risky to even consider. I think that's the point, Dave, that the, the, the pundits on Sky Sports don't take a, a broader view of it. They just sort of boil it down to this ridiculous kind of conclusion.
4: I think, I think Paul Merson's scared. I think he's scared for his job. I think he's scared for what he's doing. I think he's scared for all of his pals that have lived a life of Five hundred thousand pounds a year just sitting there with you know going out and playing football for what three four hours a day and getting paid all this cash then it gets to a level where they've got to do something after they quit their job and they have to go like back to the real world and like real people who have to work hard to get where they want to go to and they don't want to do that oh yeah i've spent all this money on coaching courses bang that's the first problem why are the coaching courses so fucking expensive I'd go and do a coaching course tomorrow if it wasn't fucking three hundred and fifty quid or whatever the bloody hell it is. Do a level one, then you look at uh, UA for A and UA for B, and it's like two two thousand pounds. How the hell are we going to get coaches when you've got to spend that amount of money to get to a level where you're probably going to get overlooked by an ex-player that's going to have done no fucking work on his coaching? And at the end of the day, just not be worth it. I'm going back to the point of the you know eyes. What does he know about the Premier League? He didn't know anything about Greece before he went there and he managed to win 79% of his games at Olympiakos and won the fucking league. Go on, Paul, you go and do that. It just frustrates me so much that we're still in this lane where these people are getting a pedestal to say things when they have, like all the points we've mentioned, the analytics is shite, their opinions are shite, they don't have a fucking clue about any of the players. Sorry for using all these swear words, but quite frankly, it pisses me right off and it pisses us off as a, as a group of people that we we spend time watching football, we spend time researching about football, the Political and economic factors of football. We do all this this stuff, and what we have someone like Paul Merson that, quite frankly, doesn't have a fucking clue and does no work about. You know, doesn't really put anything to being upon it and being an analyst. Is sat there on Sky Sports raking in a shit ton of money. Like that's the problem. What it's it's absolutely crazy. Why is English people are we still stood on this pedestal that because we're English, like Lawrence was saying, because we used to be colonial and we don't have to progress now? Now we're we're stuck in a way where we can't progress because we have people like that that think they're owed something. Those Mate, we created those football, football, yeah? We
1: created football, so... Yeah, great,
4: I mean, to, great. We created to be fair, things, but we, we're, what we... are we good at these days? We're shit. We're a fucking... That we're, what are we? Financial services. That's all our country produces these days. We've forgotten how to work and we've forgotten how to evolve a country. You know, a big thing going massively off topic, nuclear power is something that our you know, oh, British what? scientists were at the forefront of cracking the go. atom at the start of it uh, in terms of you know, researching protons, neutrons and all that shit. What are we doing now? We're outsourcing it to EDF Energy... So we're outsourcing it to a French company and then a Chinese company's coming in and, and doing a lot of work there. We were at the forefront of this, but we've got lazy. And that is the problem with our society is that we're fucking lazy. And that comes out in football, where it comes out in everything else. And, you know, Brexit sums up this whole fucking problem of this fucking country that instead of actually doing work and working hard, we'll look for scapegoats. And it's similar to what's happened in America, which is also quite scary, that instead of progressing the country and working hard on get making things better and closing the divides, we are, we are stuck and being like, right, blame culture, Just
2: fucking vote Donald Trump. Absolutely fantastic. But anyway, rant over. Stephen House I mean, I do, I do think part of that is, um, though, Adam, that, I mean, when uh, you, you make the joke about saying, you know, uh, we invented football, um, I, I still think uh, that's that's one of the funny sides of it is that um, you know I mean the, I read I read the football ramble book recently and Jim did a really good I think it was Jim who did a really good paragraph uh, sorry a chapter on um, although in the football ramble group uh, group <laughs> a, a bloody paragraph is a chapter for those guys they don't write very much the point is that um, the with with world football the British just added rules and tried to begin to control it and uh, they. they believe that was inventing essentially what we know as the game some other people would say that just because you were there first doesn't mean that you're right and i think that's part of it is that paul merson is basing a career on being there before anyone else uh right now um and, and and a couple of other people are basing the same at sky sports and sky are currently trying to maintain control like that and so undermine a lot of other people I mean, we saw the same, I mean, you know, I I don't resent the the soccer AM team for what they do, but I do resent the the way that Sky Sports um, for a very long time approached the online um, area because for a very long time, they were very dismissive of bloggers, which I was a part of at that time. And Kristen was part of at that time, um, very dismissive of anyone online because they didn't believe they had the resource. And part of that was because Sky for a very long time controlled that resource because they, priced anyone else out of that market and now what they are worried about is they're losing ground to people around them and they're frantically trying to keep up with that space um and the fact is that not only is that happening because of the the environment that sky sports themselves created but also because um now other people are finding more innovative ways um and ultimately sky can't keep up
1: well, I think let's move on. Let's, let's, it was a, a nice little debate, but we've got to crack on with the show. Um, Wasn't well, no a debate, mate.
2: It's all left-wing rhetoric.
1: It's all fellow. left-wing rhetoric. Um, and um, another well. thing. And another <laughs> thing. <laughs> and another, <laughs> thing. And another, another thing. thing. Why <laughs> are <laughs>
2: women trying to get in on our game? Yeah, we
1: uh, came up with it. So <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, uh, a few giant killings has to be said. Um, Derby knocked out West Brom with a two-one win at the Hawthorns. Uh, Darren Brent. On the score sheet, he got the equaliser. I sort of forgot Darren Bennett existed. I don't know where he was. but um, he's, he's at Derby, yeah. Um, Wolves as well. Uh, another giant killing, knocking out Stoke. Um, Merce uh, predicted that Stoke would would go through comfortably. So uh, not a great weekend for Paul Merce. Um, well, three <laughs> of his predictions went out, actually. Millwall uh, also dumping out Premier League side. Deserved 3-0 win over Bournemouth. Um, a lot of changes for Bournemouth, has to be said. But a disappointing week for the Cherries. Um... Not least, because Nathan Ake, Chris, has been recalled by Chelsea. Eddie Howe himself said that would be a huge blow if it did indeed happen. It has happened over the weekend, and it's going to be a big miss for them in defence because he's been very impressive so far this season.
0: Big,
2: big, big head, Ake.
1: Nice,
3: nice. Is that the Just the let side? that one <laughs> get all of its applause. Um, Thank you. It can play. He can play three positions. That's a, a big advantage as well. Um, no, oh. uh, two simultaneously. Um, but yeah, he can play centre back, left back. I mean, in theory, left wing back as well. But also central defensive midfield. He thinks he's best at central defensive midfield, um, based on an interview I saw with him recently. Mm. But I think it's a, it's, a, <clears throat> I think it's a testament to the development he's undergone, firstly at Watford, but then also at Bournemouth. That the contest sees a benefit in bringing him back. Um, he's a, a very, he's a, a very athletic player. I think the only thing he needs is polish in terms of his his composure and sort of just refinement. Um, and and Conte will give him that. It's a shame for for Bournemouth, and this is the the quandary that all these kind of clubs get caught into. I remember many years ago now, Sunderland signed Danny Rose on loan, and I went to see him, and you could see instantly he was very talented. and he stood out like a sore thumb in that team, to be honest. And, you know, the problem is, is that when you sign those players on loan, if they do fantastically, they're not your players. And very rarely do clubs or the parent clubs want to put a sale clause in there for obvious reasons, because you never know someone who maybe isn't in your plans at the start of the year, like Ake, goes on to have a really decent run and
2: becomes one. Um depends so on what th- kind of adaptable manager you have though, isn't it, Chris? I think that's part of it is that, Actually, Eddie Howe is, you know, obviously he's got his plan. He is quite an adaptable manager, and if I'm, it also shows maybe to other teams or other players who want to be on loan, that uh, you will you will be right to go to someone like Eddie Howe.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a, a very good and, and very underrated point. I think there there are certainly managers in that position who actually are very good with with loan players and developing them. I know, I think it was Owen Coyle. He, he kind of pushed himself as that because he had uh, Jack Wilshere at one, one point and then Daniel Sturridge the, the next year and and both really did excel under him. And, and it, it kind of can be an important string to a manager's bow if, if they can approach top clubs and say, look, I did this with player X, Y and Z. So, it, you know, could I possibly take this player from you on, on loan? Uh, where he fits in for, for Chelsea, that for me is the, the most interesting thing um, question at this point because against Tottenham you would say that as Piloqueta was singled out as the weak man he was the one that Tottenham kind of picked on with Ali in his runs mm. Alonso maybe isn't as athletic as Moses on the other side um, which is something to consider that if he wants to restore that balance he has someone that is defensively sound and gives the same kind of defensive contribution that Moses does having seen uh, Moses's radar for this year he is a lot more defensive than attacking and then also, again, can maybe even slot in in midfield if needs be alongside Kante.
1: Right, that is the FA Cup third round. Rounded up then. Uh, the draw for the fourth round is, of course, tonight. Let's move on to part two. It's the front three, World eleven? Ooh. Of course, tonight is the FIFA the best Football Awards ceremony in Zurich, um, wonderfully named, after the end of FIFA's association with the Ballon d'Or. Of course, it's closely to gonna to follow the awards from last-
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
1: Last year and previous years, uh, there's a prize for the best player, um, which is almost certain to be Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, the Pushkas Award for the Best goal, Best Manager Award, and of course, the FIFA Thief Pro World Eleven. Voted for by players around the world. Uh, The main difference seems to be uh, the awards look pretty terrible, I gotta say. They are shocking. Have you seen the the newly designed best awards? It's kind of like they've kind of got like an, they're silver, they've gone for silver. They're, Brilliant! they've got a ball you win
2: second prize there's a ball
1: at the top it's kind of like an old school uh, silver ball at the top and kind of, it's, it kind of almost looks a bit like the Super Bowl trophy in a way I think um, kind of like it's a
2: almost curved, like some old men have designed it
1: yeah it's just it just looks cheap it doesn't look worthy of uh, you know uh, some of the players and some of the awards that are being given out um, and it's nowhere near as classy looking as the Ballon d'Or I think a Ballon d'Or is a, a classy looking trophy um, but Regardless of all that, regardless of those changes, it's time to talk about our world eleven, guys. Because people have been asking us to do this; it's been much requested. So we're going to try and put together an eleven, which will hopefully, hopefully, maybe even be better than the FIFA eleven. Because apparently, from this the be a
2: YouTube video, then
1: mate? maybe it could be both. You know, but um, oh, this has been nice. asked for on the podcast, Lawrence. You got you got to give the people what they want. You know, good point. Um, the FIFA eleven, as which say at FIFA. <laughs> The FIFA 11, which has apparently been linked, uh, leaked, I should say, um, features Mamor Noya, Sergio yeah. Ramos, Gerard Piquet, yeah. Thiago Silva Ooh. and Marcello at the back. Ooh, that's Tony lovely. Cruz, Luca Modric and Andres Iniesta in midfield, with Ronaldo, Messi and Antoine Griezmann up front. Um so Jamaican only, version. Only two players. Only two players uh, not playing in Spain make the team: uh, Thiago Silva, and Manuel Neuer. Um, let's see how our one shapes up. Very simple. We'll pick a formation. We'll go for each position, and if we all agree, we'll move on to the next position. Is that easy? All right, all right. So, first thing is yeah, a, is excellent. a formation. We could either go for the classic four three three, or maybe the trendy three five two or three four three. Look.
2: Well, should we hand this one off to Dave? Dave, Dave, what formation should Dave we go for? should pick?
1: dave's in charge Um,
4: i think i think in terms of players in terms of how we can fit everyone in i think Mm -hmm. a 4-2-3-1 might be the answer
1: lovely and we'll give us potentially
4: four attacking slots an attacking midfielder two wingers and a striker but also give us two central midfielders and then i think a back four i think next year we should definitely go with the back three but this year i think it was more of back fours you think in portugal you think in real madrid atletico madrid you know playing with a flat four so let's go
1: with a 4-2-3-1 i like your style a lot dave now I think as a basis, we should use the shortlist um, that FIFA Pro produced uh, ahead of the awards that players were voting from. But of course, that doesn't discount if there's any shouts you want to put in uh, that you think should get being ahead of these nominees. Do don't hesitate to say so. Essentially, um, so just to get the conversation going, the goalkeepers. Now, obviously, the obvious choice, Manuel Neuer, but Kaelon Navas was also nominated, or on the shortlist, I should say, with David De Gea, Joan Luigi Buffon, and Claudio Bravo. Um, Neuer, of course, the FIFA pro pick. We're led to believe, any disagreement with uh, with the German in goal for us.
2: Uh, I kind of feel a little bit like it's unfair. Uh, I mean, he is still a great goalkeeper, but he's not. He's not quite at the prominent year maybe that you would have liked for a goalkeeper.
1: I wouldn't mind. Is there a more in prominent
2: in a, goalkeeper we could put in that?
1: Well, I wonder if uh, if Keylor Navas is potentially That's a, I'm just a more prominent shout. Madrid, of course, on, winning lads. the Champions League. You he's not—he's
2: not, he's not technically a better goalkeeper, though. Is no,
1: he? but we're talking about the year, you know. What about Buffon this that's, year? That's who I think that's he's going to be.
4: Gigi Buffon has been absolutely fantastic for uva okay. okay. and Italy this season. He's been—he's been back to that level that, you know, back to that world-class level in a way, or back to that best goalkeeper in the world level. I personally say I think David Behe De deserves a mention. Manuel Neuer, you know, like you guys were saying. Not really Sean this year. Not really had like a as many game changing performances as he did, but definitely Buffon. I think Buffon broke the record for consecutive minutes without conceding a goal in Syria this season. Mm-hmm. Juve, of course, going on to win another title. They're probably gonna win it this year as well, and they're gonna challenge for the Champions League. So I think the Buffon,
2: given <laughs> what he, um, Buffon, he's
1: done, Buffon. We all agreed. Joanna View Buffon I so. in goal. He's the okay.
2: pick for Juve, Mive, everyone.
1: Okay. Buffon in goal. Let's move on to the right back position. Now, controversially the FIFA 11 seems to have gone for Sergio Ramos. Uh, I assume he got quite well, a lot of votes, and they've tried to crowbar him in there. I think we should go with a dedicated right back. You know, let's not mess about it. So, who are we looking at All potentially? Right. We're looking at Dani Alvarez, maybe. Um, we're looking Good. at Carl Walker, of course, uh, who's not actually on the <laughs> shortlist, but I mean, I'll just chuck him in there. Uh, Hector sure. Bellerin. Valencia. Wait your own rules. Valencia. Valencia. Mm, not not sure about that one. Um, I said use it as a guide, Lawrence. Use it as a guide. You know, it's sure. a discussion point. but you know, when a player of the outstanding quality of Carl Walker, uh, you know, is playing as he is, you've got to, you've got to chuck him in there. You've got to chuck him in there, um, Dave. Who do you think deserves the right back berth? Right, uh, and there's been some some decent performances at right back. You know, you're looking at
4: Carvajal. I think um, when Joshua Kimmich has played there, wherever Joshua Kimmich has played, he's been absolutely fantastic for Germany and uh, Bayern Munich. But Serge I think Aurier, i on the show one Fran, it's got to be one Fran. In terms of what he did last season in the Champions League, he was fantastic. He was the best right back in that tournament by a country mile. Um, and obviously, this season I feel like i have been a little bit, a little bit off form, a little bit discolored in, in recent weeks. But at the start of the season they were very good, and one Fran is that is the guy for Simeone, and he's the guy for me at right back.
1: Okay, Juan Fran. I'm happy to put him in ahead of Kyle Walker. I'll bite the bullet on this one. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Danny Alves, I think, is a decent shout. Um, He's performed well for Juventus this season, uh, as well as Barcelona last season. Anyone? I mean, Philip Lahm, potentially. But again, maybe not the player who, who, like Manuel Neuer, has shone this season. Um, Chris, any potential arguments with Juan Fran at right back?
3: Not really, to be honest. Ah, oh,
1: We're in there. Let's just go Any good right for... backs in the championship that we could. Uh... <laughs> right, no, 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 no. There's, there's... We're putting in one front. Let's move on to centre backs because I think this is going to be quite a contentious one. Um, We're looking at, in the team, FIFA Pro was Gerard Piquet. Dave, Ooh. I'm assuming you might uh, want to bat for his inclusion, or is there someone else you'd rather put in? Say Leonardo Bonucci. Um, I think Benucci's finally come out.
4: It's his breakout year after being the most underrated player in world football. He's finally broken out and he's getting the respect that he deserves. But I don't think I'd put him in there. I think he's had a really good year. But I think the centre-backs have really, really shone um, last season. Um, first up is going to be one that potentially people have forgotten about. And that's Pepe. I
2: was thinking Pepe, How yeah. How
4: good he was at the Euros. He was For me, he was the best player at the European Championships Absolutely what? phenom at the back in terms of his defensive. He was uh, what he was doing, catch on, and how he was organizing, and how well Portugal did when they were under pressure. Pepe was every single time. Then you forget. Then he won the he won the Champions League as well. And Real Madrid defensively were very, very good. They did play a little bit more on the counter attack than in recent years. Than under, say, you know, Ancelotti, maybe you know a little bit more ball playing. And he was fantastic. And I think that he's 100% Pepe is going to be in there. And I think they're partnering with his Real teammate as you'd well. Go for Ramos. Ramos.
1: That's the thing. Big,
4: big goals again coming up. Trumps in the in the knockout stage of the Champions League. What well, I think he scored in the the semi final was it? And he, and the the quarters, if I'm not mistaken. But a, a top performance from Ramos. And I think it. It takes him a little bit ahead of the likes of Diego Godín, the likes of Piqué, just mm. because of what he did for Real Madrid. No, David Luiz did have a pretty
2: terrible Euros though.
4: Yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair point. Um, but I think he, he, he excelled so much in the Champions League that you know he was acting as a as a defensive midfielder. You know when um, Casemiro wasn't in the team, it was it was Ramos that was actually like pushing out of midfield into midfield from centre back, winning the ball. And then playing it out, so yeah, I think Ramos has, has definitely got to be there. The Euros, not so, but
2: Real Madrid,
1: he's been good. No chance for David Luiz then, uh, or uh, Chiellini, perhaps Hummels. I think uh, you... Next you, you uh, yeah, uh, I'm tempted to say, oh, we can't have two Real Madrid players at the back. But at the same time, it's hard to argue uh, with that selection. Of course, Real Madrid have been uh, very impressive uh, this season. Um, the Euros you are saying for Pepe as well. Uh, I, I think it's hard to disagree with that. Sergio Ramos on Pepe. Mm. Any big complaints or are we going to go for it? Uh, let's go for it uh, left back now (laughs) you've of course got Lawrence there playing his trumpet of agreement (laughs) you've of course got Jordi Alba you've got David Alba potentially Um, you've of course now the Kyle Walker one I was kind of you know I, I was a little bit tongue in cheek but sure James Milner, sure. I want to throw Danny Rose into the mix. You know, it's not a bad shout, Adam. It's not a bad shout. I would like. I think he deserves to at least be in the conversation. Um, okay. Well, there he is. He's in the conversation. Danny Rose, right. I think Welcome. Uh, he's been one of the most improved players in uh. the Premier League. Um, crucial to Spurs. I think he's been one of the most important players. I think people are starting to realise this season how crucial he is for Spurs. Um, and I think his performances and his level of performance has been quite incredible um, Dave is there, you'd, is there anyone you'd like to put in ahead of Danny Rose who is the current frontrunner as of right now
4: well, if we're talking about Europa League stars, you've got to look no further than um, Darmian. actually. Let's get him in the FIFA now. I think uh, Danny Rose has been good, but I don't think he's... I think it's <laughs> going to be next year where he's going to take that step up to being the next level when he's going to be competing with the likes of Marcelo. That mm. Again, Real Madrid was very, mm. very good in the creative sense um, for them last season in terms of creating chances, getting forward, and but also being a better club,
2: mate. he uh, goes to a better club.
4: David Alaba looks looks very very good for for his position potentially. You, you know, you think of what he's done at Bayern Munich, where he's sort of become one of their key players. Um, and his his ability to get forward, you know, being moved back out to that left back after a bit of an experiment under Guardiola, where he played pretty much everywhere. And then you think of what he did for Austria. Austria, yeah, they they did they did uh, flop at the the Euros, but they got there. I think that was a big achievement for Austrian football and. Um, David Alba, you know the guy in the middle, the guy controlling things, the guy dictating the tempo at central midfield. So if we play him at left back, you know we can always change our system round if we want in the game. You know, given the game state, so I think it could be a good option. But I also think Marcelo. I don't, I don't really know about left back. I've, I've got, you know, I'd either go Marcelo or, um, yeah, the Austrian international.
1: Uh, let's. I'm gonna vote. It's difficult because again with the. The, the, the notion that maybe David Alaba hasn't stood out as much. Again, a player who didn't have a great Euros. No, he hasn't. So then you put... Because Mar- Munich
2: and... haven't been all that shining. They haven't really yeah. shone.
1: But, you know, that we're judging them by their own high standards. And then at the same time, can you put Marcelo in another Real Madrid player? Should we just be putting him in on merit or are we trying to balance the teams? It's, it's tough.
4: I think one guy that needs a bit of a shout-out, um especially in, in this side of the year, so in what, post-Euros, is Rafael Guerrero. You know, he was absolutely brilliant at the <laughs> European Championships. So good at getting forward um, with Portugal playing that sort of narrow narrow diamond in midfield. And he was really, really good at Borussia Dortmund as well before his injury. He was playing absolutely everywhere. He played like left wing back, left back, left centre back, left midfield, central midfield. He was playing pretty much, you know, a full, flexible footballer. And he's going to be one of the players that I'm tipping. Obviously, many people are tipping him for stardom, but he's definitely going to be up there in the next few seasons in terms of best left back in the world.
1: All right, let's put it to a vote. Nice and simple. I'm going for Marcelo, Dave, who's in? Oh. come on fuck I,
4: I, I, let me go
1: last I'm going to flip
4: a, actually let me flip a coin hold okay, on right. heads coin. is heads is Marcelo tails is David Alaba fair and we've got tails David Alaba okay
1: Chris uh, Paul Domington <laughs> Um, uh, serious answer Chris oh, we're not
3: all allowed One policy suggestion <laughs> no, They're in our no. Own club
1: No Yeah no, I mean really. Adam's been making them For the past I'm not going to mention Another Spurs player I just wanted to Danny Rose Well I think no mate should You, be in the you would have absolutely No right to mention Another Spurs player In this conversation <laughs> Well you say that but Anyway You say uh, Chris, that actually Moussa Dembele We've got a few little uh, I've got a few little notes uh, Chris is Marcello uh, David Alaba Or someone uh, Someone else Who's uh, not Paul Dummett Essentially um, that's very much my requirements for our
3: left back situation. To be fair, uh, David Alaba.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh, Lawrence, I'll go Marcelo. Okay, so now it's a split down the middle. So I think we'll, yep. we'll go for we'll go for David Alaba because we've got uh, too many Real Madrid players in there potentially, and we'll, we'll go for David Alaba at left back. So the two holding midfielders, two midfielder spots uh, that we're playing in our four two three one formation in the. In the FIFA 11, we had Tony Cruz, we had Luka Modric um, alongside, I believe, Andres Iniesta. Um, Any love for any of those players that we think needs to be in this team in midfield? Paul Pogba apparently missing out by just two votes uh, to get into the FIFA this year. Uh, Dave, would would you even put him in? I think Kante has to be in. I think Kante is 100% in. Without any discussion. Um, I think he has to be in. I think the forgot year he's had... Forgot about Kante. I think the year he's had has been exceptional. Forgot close. about him. I think he has to go in. We're we I'm going to go
4: and just jump out the window, guys. I'll uh, I'll see you in a new, a new life. Because you put Kante this. in, or because yeah, you because forgot, I forgot about, about Kante. You forgot about <laughs> was, Angolo I was, Kante. I forgot about him. Now I don't know what to do. I, don't, I didn't want to play any of those guys you mentioned. Andre Iniesta, not at the same high standards as the season before. Uh, Barcelona struggling domestically, uh, not domestically, struggling in Europe. I'd say Modric and Tony Cruz got battered in the Champions League final by the two lads I was going to put in, Koke and Gabri, but now you're throwing Kante in the mix. I don't know what to do.
1: Well, Kante's going in. He's
4: one spot. He's in. So the other spot, Koke, Gabri, Modric, Cruz.
1: Um, Chris, you got
0: in I would
4: love to put Gabri in just because he was a phenom for Atletico last season um, in all aspects. So good in the Champions League final. But same with Koke. Koke <sighs> moved to the left and side, moved to central midfield. I thought like I absolutely bossed it and should have won that final if Griezmann had bloody scored that penneau. So Griezmann. I don't know. I, I, you know. I'll throw some stats out there just for the, for the lads. Yes. In the last, well, since the last start of last season, only Messi's registered more assists than Koke in the Liga. Um, in terms of Gabri, Gabri in that Champions League final absolutely bossed it, won more tackles than any other player, completed more passes. I just don't know what to do now.
1: It is a tough one, Chris. the window, Dave. It is jump, t- apparently you're going to jump in. I'm open it. It's apparently open. You've, you've taken the most extreme reaction you could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chris. To not being able to pick. If only
2: FIFA had taken the same reaction and not been able to pick. Yeah. We play 12 players? <laughs> no.
1: I'm afraid uh, that's against the rules. Uh, Chris, talk to me because uh, we've got Kante mm-hmm. and we've got one more midfielder spot. Modric and Cruz, uh, as I said, were in the FIFA 11. They were also in the team of the year, uh, as voted for by UEFA users. They seem very popular choices. Do you think maybe they've done enough to, to be included in our little world 11 here?
3: I think so. I, th- I think Dave's statistical approach is actually um, quite a good one to use because it will, will kind of help us. I mean, I'm, I've got some stats to throw myself um my candidate oh, has a possession score of 4.65 per 90 um average fouls committed per game two tackles lost 2.38 total forward passes 31.22 now you're probably all wondering it's weird it well, any sound of like their tony crew stats at all they're not they're jack callback stats welcome to the team jack <laughs>
1: I mean, he put a case forward for Colbeck. Um, I'm not sure how convincing it was. You find me
3: a midfielder with the last name Colbeck with better numbers, and I'll put him in instead.
1: It's a good point. Really it's good a good point. point. It's well made. Um, apart from Colbeck, Lawrence, do you, do you think if we had to go for say Cruz or Modric, um, or is there anyone else you want to throw in the mix? Um, for
2: for to get a just,
3: bit Paul Mercer just to round the argument out. Yeah.
1: Cards for diving? Zero.
3: Ooh. Yeah,
2: good point.
1: True. Very true.
2: Can't really throw Arturo Vidal the in there, I don't think. Um, I mean, we don't really want such a heavy side, do we? Uh, I don't even think Paul Pogba belongs in that position. Uh, could you go Sergio Sergio Busquets?
1: Could you? I feel like for the reasons Dave pointed out earlier about, uh, I think, you know, yeah, ex- you're I mean, you taking in context of the year. As good as he is, I think it, we need to factor Find in them. some no, sort fine. of we'll achievement go, I'll go, I'll this year or I level. I
2: disagree, if I'm honest.
1: Um, okay, Dave. Jordan Henderson. <laughs> Dave, to stop you, uh, don't jump out the window, but I'm going to force you to make a choice here. Well, To fill our, our second Maybe midfield position. We're talking Modric, we're talking Cruz. Iniesta's in the official team. Uh, he's not going to be in ours. Um, who would you like to go for in that second midfield position? Place alongside Ngolo Kante. Okay, because this has
4: gone tits up and it, th- there's a problem. Um, I think we're just going to have to think about the midfield and what would actually work with Ngolo Kante. We're going to have to oh, go back God,
2: tactics. It's got to be Tony Cruz. I think it's got to be Tony Cruz. Yeah, okay, I'm going to put lovely. Tony Cruz next to
4: uh, Kante. Because if, you know, for example, Gabriel and Coke, they're more like your hybrid players that can tackle, can playmate, can pretty much do everything. But we've, our midfield, we need a playmaker, we need a runner. So that's what we're going
1: to have to go with hmm, okay, interesting, interesting I hear someone
3: wanted a runner
1: so let's go for <laughs> let's go for Jack
3: Kovac, in fact, has ran
4: more miles than any other player in the championship this season
1: let's go for our sort of right uh, attacking midfield, right wing uh, spot who are we going to go for it probably has to be does it not? Lionel Messi, we put him out there to accommodate uh, another player in the central spot, another player up front what do you reckon, Lawrence?
2: I'm trying to think who else you can put there. I'm looking through the nominations right now. Um, You're
1: talking the likes of. There's not actually many sort of attacking midfielders, right attacking midfielders in the in the list that the FIFA does, Pro put together.
2: Does Rakitic count as a right attacking midfielder? Because he does sort of play out on the right, but he's sort of right central midfield.
1: Four, four, four. I don't know. I don't think so. I think you're, you're looking more at the likes of, say, Mares potentially. Um, someone like that. No, who's... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't
2: put Mares in. Is, is that a bad
1: no. end to the year?
2: No. It does yeah. count
1: against him, doesn't it? You do have to count that against him. Um, Kevin De Bruyne are not strong enough, though, out.
2: Um, he... You could say Mesut Mes- Ozil might count as maybe that sort of a position, considering that he floats. But to be honest, I would go with a top of the triangle, and then go to attacking players, uh, to attacking players, and then the striker. So I wouldn't even go for that sort of a position.
1: Who who would you
2: go for? It you know I was a big fan of Rakitic this year. I think he's been really good. You could just make the argument that as part of a wider side, I think
1: Rakitic makes a team fantastic. Dave, can we really put Rakitic in that sort of right attacking midfield? We're potentially sacrificing Messi because you know there's other. <laughs> there is because you know the left. We're probably going to chuck in Ronaldo. We're going to crowbar him in there. We're going to put someone else up front. We're going to put someone else in in the central attacking midfield position potentially. Why can't um, you just put Messi there? I don't know, Dave. What do you what do you make of this uh,
4: this uh, debate we're having here? I think we've got to shove Messi on the the right just because he's that's he's played where he's. That's where he's played his football. Obviously, he yeah, can but it's ground. where he's wandered in from. Do what he wants. Yeah, I think the right side. There's been a bit of a lack of of quality on the right wing. You know, you think of all the best sort of left sided players. Well, apart from Mar, as you'd say, but obviously, like we mentioned before, the years and stuff. Potentially, there's a a, a slight angle for Aaron Ramsey um, in terms of more where he's played more. for Arsenal. Sometimes on that right hand side, Wales obviously playing a. You know they've they've played a number of systems. He has played central midfield there, but he's also played as a two behind a forward, um, slightly towards the right hand side. And Ramsey was brilliant at the Euros, and so were Wales. And it's his intensity and his his ability on the ball as well that made him such a force in those European Championships and and push Wales Wales forward. Potentially, you could look at someone like Gareth Bale um, Mm, on that that right hand side.
1: What
2: about Luis Suarez? Striker. He's, uh, he's
1: in contention for the striker position. I
2: think. Yeah, I know, but what if he doesn't make that striker position? I
1: think we have to uh, we have to sort of factor in where they've played this season mm. a little bit, Um where oh, they've come shot
2: as far as as far as was playing in from the the outside though, wasn't he? I mean, I think he's
1: he's more of that centre forward. If you're going to choose between the two, where is he playing more? Where is he more suited? Where is he more uh, about? It's got to be the striker, the centre forward position. Mm. I'm afraid Let's let's chuck Messi on the right. um Let's go to the left. Lazy, we're, poor, mercenary decision. We're putting in Ronaldo <laughs> on the on the left straight away. Um, uh, an incredibly successful season for him, which is set to be capped by winning that ugly best trophy tonight, which I'm sure he'll be delighted with. Uh, can we throw some of the nominations just out
4: there to be like, well yeah, done, lads. Yeah, you lads on. have done all right this honorable season. Honourable
1: mentions. Honourable mentions. I
4: think Dimitri Payet, obviously, for his impact at West Ham United last season, maybe not this season, and then for France in yeah. championships, was, was the creator, was the guy that was making things happen. I think Yannick Carrasco, as well, at Atletico Madrid, like Rafael Guerrero, is going to be a, a top, top player in the, in the coming years. And his ability to carry the ball is at pace and, and dribble and. Um, you know, make things happen. Go back to that Champions League final again. Yannick Carrasco, what, picking the ball up on the halfway line and, and putting the ball into the back of the net, following a mazy dribble and a lovely low shot. So, yeah, I definitely think he's going to be up there in terms of good players. But there yeah, are just two shout outs to two lads that I feel
1: deserve a bit of respect. Alexis Sanchez, maybe he was. Oh, it's of a little bit chance. Maybe he's a striker, though, more, right? Yeah, this season definitely This season. Um, okay. But a so
2: false nine, maybe.
1: Well, what about in that sort of central position behind the striker? Um, who are we talking about? We we talking about potentially could shove a sort of a Meza Urzel in there? Uh, who else could be in there? Maybe a Deli Ali. maybe, you know, that second striker. <laughs> right, <bro. laughs> Paul Pogba. Uh, De Bruyne. Does Paul um, Pogba go
2: in there? Eh. Could do. Come on, it's where he's played his best football, in my humble opinion. Who there is one man, though, lads, that we okay. we aren't.
4: Come on. Come on. There's a guy, I'm not going to say it, there's a definitely a guy that's played attacking midfield but he's not played as a playmaker. He's played the, he's, he's made the role his own over the
2: last few seasons. Adam Lalana. You're right, Dave. <laughs> Jesus. How, how did I look, overlook it? <laughs> Any suggestions? Uh, if you're going to say Wayne Rooney, Dave, I'm going to flip. <laughs> if you say, I'll jump out if the window. If you say matter, it's Wayne Matter,
1: yeah, it's, it's, all going, it's all going out the window. Wan, no, Dave. Wan, come on. I miss you, 1 1. Oh, come
4: on, it's Antoine Griezmann. <sighs> Ooh, okay, I like that, that a lot. Percent what he's done for Atletico in terms of uh, you know being the main goal scorer on that side, but also France at the Euros when uh, Didier Deschamps went, oh, wait a minute, Antoine Griezmann's position isn't best on the right or the left-hand side. It's a number 10 as a second striker. Mm. Then France started to really rock in the European Championship. He was directly involved in more goals than any player. Six goals and two assists. I don't think we can even argue about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe not suit the style of football we're playing. But we'll shoe on
1: him, in. yeah. I think we shoe on him. In. He's 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 been somewhat quiet this season, especially recently. Um, and he was the bridesmaid, not the bride, as it were, um, in the finals of both the the, mm. the European Championships and the Champions League. But, but is, that, is that an achievement in terms of? Yeah, what, you know, I think, I think, think you have to. Only Ronaldo
4: do it. is the only other player in our yes. side that that managed that. Yeah, you have
1: to take that into consideration. I think Antoine Griezmann is a great shout, and then we now get onto the interesting chat of who is heading up our team, who is the main man, who is the strike force. No chat about
2: Ronaldo or lording him at all, just straight into the... Ronaldo is good. So, about this striker that we need to do... The, striker. the, it's, of a, the
1: day. it's a given, Ronaldo. It's, it we decent. said he's on the left.
4: Uh, like, since Gareth Bale joined the club, Ronaldo scored more goals than Gareth Bale and Benzema have managed combined. But anyway, that's it for Ronaldo.
1: Wowie. That's, that's why he's in the team. That's why it was a given. You don't need to... We don't need to talk about how good he is. There's no debate. The debate is who's playing up front. Is it Jamie Vardy, potentially? Um, is Shut it up. Sergio Aguero, potentially? Are we looking at Gonzalo Higuain? Are we talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, my arch nemesis? Are we looking at Lewandowski? Who are we looking at, Dave, for this striker position?
4: I think you, you forgot to mention Luis Suarez as well. Is had an absolute incredible... Um, year with Lionel Messi with Neymar I think he's definitely got to be seen up there I think he's got more assists and and goals than uh, Messi and and Neymar I think in this calendar year and all competitions but he's been absolutely brilliant in terms of what he does for Barcelona but again we're going back to that Barcelona argument they didn't you know they, they dropped they got dumped out of the Champions League they didn't excel as they usually do it's a difficult one. Jamie Vardy deserves a lot of plaudits for what he did for Leicester City. But again, this season has been not as good or nowhere near that standard. So in terms of consistency, I think that rules him out the race. I think it might need to be Gonzalo goals because of what he did for Napoli, You know, turning them from a, a Champions League competing side to a title challenger for a lot of the season with just his goals. Now now he's gone to Juve, and you can already see the impact he's making there. What scored a goal out of pretty much nothing against Roma in the massive clash over there. And I can't wait to see him in the knockouts. St- oh, can't wait to see Juve in the knockout stage of the Champions League. because I think they're going to be an unknown quantity. And you know, um, Allegri, who has so many tactical strengths with Bo, a 3-5-2, a 3-4-3, a 4-4-2 diamond, a 4-4-2. You know, the list goes on. Now he's playing a 4-3-2-1 with Dybala and Pjanic behind Gonzalo Higuain. So they're going to be such a difficult team to play against, and the likes of Sturaro that stepped in for Paul Pogba that plays a role completely different. And obviously, Paul Pogba, you play playmaker, because Sturaro is just going to bite your ankles for ninety minutes, but bite your ankles very well. And with Gonzalo Higuain, that allows Gonzalo to be the guy that's just going to wait and just going to play up front and not have to do much defensive work and just score your goals. And I just, I just think that the amount of goals that he scored, it, it's just incredible.
2: The problem also been that Luis Suarez, after being um, s- such a good player this year has also. That footage came out, I think, uh, the other day after the second leg where he tried to just punch the goalkeeper square in the face as he was going for a ball. Um, <laughs> so, mate, oh, have you guys not seen that? That's our character. So, yeah, I mean, but that's the problem is that, you know, whilst we've been busy saying, oh, he's a reformed character, you know, he's decided he won't bite anyone now. It's blatant that he just, just someone in the face, yeah. square
1: punches the goalkeeper right in the face. Uh, okay, so Dave is making the case for for Higuain, Gonzalo uh, goals. I mean, Gonzalo you could very goals easily, I mean,
2: you could very easily make the case for Luis Suarez because you uh, know say, well, Suarez. it's because he's because he is in La Liga, he's scored a, an unnatural amount of goals considering, but then also in the Champions League, he's been fantastic. Um, Do you ever think uh, that in some ways playing in a a less um, um, taxing league could in some way be artificially enhancing the players' opinions of themselves and therefore when they play in the
1: Champions League they will play better? Well, like an ego boost that in turn gives them such a big confidence boost.
2: Yeah, if you believe you're good, then ultimately, you know. I mean, I know that Barcelona are good anyway, but I do think that sometimes it can be a little.
1: I do. I think excellent. playing in the Liga, um, you've got a much better chance to win a Ballon d'Or, uh, especially. Yeah. Although you know, you know, the criticism of Ballon d'Or would be that he's a goal-scoring trophy, um, with this sort of the the breakup of. France football and and FIFA and how they uh, judge the award. I think the Ballon d'Or might become Finally. less about that. Yeah, so um, maybe it won't just be you know La Liga, Messi, Ronaldo winning the the trophy. We'll see a bit more diversity in there. Um, as for our striker though, they said hey Higuain. Who are you saying, Lawrence? Are you gonna go for Suarez? Despite these, uh, I'm busy? gonna have
2: to. go. I mean, this is the problem is you don't want to nominate someone who's regressed. Because he's had fantastic seasons
1: before. Yeah, I wonder if um, he's at that level, but his best level. Mm. Chris, have you got any strong opinions? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, uh, yeah, there's, maybe there's not. A, there needs to be love for other players. Well, Jamie Vardy, you just you just discount him straight away, Dave. You are saying no?
4: Absolutely no. I think uh, I don't think he's nowhere near the same level. I just want to but make this I think year. A prediction about here, this year, you know. I think I think next year it's going to be Lewandowski. Under Carlo Ancelotti, you know, he's, he's already scoring goals. He's still scoring goals for fun. He's more involved in their play, adding free kicks to his game as well. You know, I think he scored two back-to-back free kicks for Bayern Munich this season in two um, consecutive games. So he's going to be next year. But it's just so difficult because although Suarez is this nutcase and this nut job, he's scored a shitload of goals. And he scored more goals on Gonzalo goals. it's, just, uh, again,
1: it's difficult because sure. you, you've got to take the whole year into consideration. You're talking about, say, someone like Diego Costa, who's been phenomenal this season. Last season, he just didn't he didn't do the business. So you can't really put him in the conversation. Higuaín, I think he played. He, he put in some good performances in the Copa América. He obviously, <laughs> he obviously missed uh, another opportunity in the final against Chile. Though, how much does that count against him? Does it even count against him? Uh, Chris, what are you saying? Definitely not a 100%. Okay, fair enough. Great. I tried that's that's to that's my shove really, him in. Yeah, no, not even Not even close. But what about Harry... I, I don't like how no, he
3: would okay. mix with the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the very affectionate nicknames, he would probably apply to some of them. Okay, Dave, I, I'm, I mean, Zlatan as well is a good shout. Um, I think... Why is that, Adam? Uh, you know, he's, he's proven certain people wrong. Uh, in many ways, oh, Okay. You know, pundits you don't know what they're talking about. You know, all uh, people. Mate, yeah, anyone could Any anyone, I Syria. anyone could be top scorer in the league, Anyone could score yeah. this many goals for Manchester United at the age of 35 I mean, phew, Jesus, anyone could do it um Zlatan has done it so he didn't in,
3: predict that at the start of the season <laughs> yeah,
1: he's in he's in uh, he's in contention but i'm i'm happy to to see to dave he's put forward a decent case for higuain and i'm i'm happy to give him that when i think luis suarez is phenomenal a player as he is maybe this year Very subtle. he and and Barcelona haven't been at the level that they have in previous seasons, yeah. and maybe therefore we should give it to someone else. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Very
2: subtle, very subtle. On the way that you try and undermine Zlatan's confidence by saying you may give him an award and then not ultimately. Well, we all know he listens.
1: we all know he listens. And I'm trying yeah. to just give him a little, a little dig there, Zlatan. If you're listening, I mean, if you pick up a knock, it's it's not a tragedy. I don't think. You know, nothing serious. I'm not suggesting anything serious, um, <laughs> Lawrence. Come on, I'm backing Dave. What are you saying? All
2: right, fine. I'll, I'll back Dave. All, All right, we'll back
1: And that's free. I mean, Chris, who would you vote for?
0: Ooh.
1: It's free against one if you disagree, but.
2: The well, Barlow ever mentioned? No. Know. Thomas Muller? No. Yes. Neymar? Mm,
1: up front? No. Chris?
2: Sanchez is close to it. Sergio Aguero? I'll go with the majority. Sure, Sergio Aguero is
1: what a sheep um, but that does give us <laughs> that does give All us right. <laughs> that does give us our you're a dick, mate. official front free world 11
3: you you're not going to be too upset now when you look like Marjorie Mathers in the summer
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be a strong look uh, it could well be in a few weeks Chris let alone in the summer but anyway our, our world 11 is Jean-Louis Buffon, in goal Juan Fran at right back uh, Pepe alongside Sergio Ramos a centre-back, uh, David Alaba at left-back, Kante and Cruz partnering in midfield, Messi on the right of the attacking midfield, Griezmann in the centre, of course Ronaldo on the left, and Gonzalo Higuain up front. Um, I'm sure that is going to create some controversy. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter, at Front3. Send us in your teams as well, we'd love to know uh, who you've picked out for your World Eleven, and we'll wait to see uh, the FIFA Pro World Eleven later on this evening. For now, though, let's get on to the final part of the show, part three, a quick European roundup and the reveal of the Player of the Week as voted for by you. Part three, European roundup and Player of the Week, Syria is back this weekend. Are uh, you excited, Dave? Happy? Very, very happy. I think it's my favourite
4: league. I think really? it has been. Favourite of league, let's say. I like Ooh. the Premier League. It's pretty decent. But I think, yeah, syria A, it's, it's above the Bundesliga now. I never <sighs> thought that would happen. Wow, what's uh, what's it?
1: elevated it to that position for you?
4: Oh, it's the defensive parking, the bus. You know, as a Jose Mourinho fan, I've really got to get into the Italian mm. football and the defending and the diving, and it's, it's fantastic. I, what I love the is how, how, how wound up people get with people diving and like, what's he doing? He's rolling around. He should be getting up. Why not, eh? You know, if that winds your opposition up, that gets people pumped. Just do it. But yeah, I think there's a lot of depth and quality, and it's one of the most exciting races for that second place in recent years. There's so many teams competing for that. um, You know, the top four, the the position to to get into Europe, and obviously you there have now smashed it, and it looks like they've already won the league. But you've got so many exciting teams: Roma, Inter, um, AC, Atalanta. It's great.
1: Mm, Juventus returning from. Mid season break with a comfortable 3 0 win over Bologna, uh, becoming the first team in Italian history to win 26 games at home in a row. Uh, a penalty for Paolo Dybala and uh, two for Gonzalo Higuain, in the first uh, uh, pretty special little volley there. Um, seven in his last six games and 16 goals in all competitions so far this season. So on form, that's why he's in the TF3 World 11, you know, it just makes sense. Um, they are four points clear now of Roma, as you said, Dave. Uh, they have gone; they had gone to within a point of the leaders after their first away win since October—a one-nil victory at Genoa, thanks to an own goal deflection, really, uh, from Armando Izzo, as well as some crucial saves uh, from Wojciech Szczesny, kept them in that game. Um, a lot of one-nils this weekend as well in Italy. Um, a last-minute winner for Chiro Immobile uh, gave Lazio a win uh, to strengthen their hold on fourth place. Milan, too, with a 1-0 home win over Cagliari. Uh, Carlos back backing the goals, um, struggled somewhat, but they're now up to fifth with a game in hand over some of their rivals, as you said, Dave, for that European uh, qualification spots. Uh, and Atalanta... Securing a four one win over Chievo as they push for qualification for Europe themselves. Two goals, Dave, from Alejandro Gomez.
4: Papo to his pals, yeah, an absolutely fantastic performance. Is a, a player that's finally hitting that sort of peak of his career. That's um, you know been knocking around the leagues for a while, but now looks like you know looks really good in this side. He sort of operates from the left-hand side, but does operate at number 10. Their system's quite nice, Atalanta. you know, It's like a, say a 3-4-2-1 in a way, or a 3-4-1-2. In a way. But, you know, it's very, very fluid and absolutely fantastic performance from. him. Took both of his goals very, very well. Um, the third goal that Atalanta scored was a 1v1 that, again, um, Gomez had, but it was saved by the keeper and it was just tapped in by one of his teammates. But the really nice part of the story was um this season he's wearing quite a few different armbands um which look pretty cool and and it was his daughter's birthday this week so he wore one that was a frozen inspired um is armband. That allowed?
2: do you think i mean i i hate to sort of kill the the mood but is that actually allowed is that like does that count kind of as advertising in some way
4: Maybe, maybe he's got a deal with Frozen. But anyway, no, no, Lawrence—he's my new favorite player in world football. Please don't ruin this for me. Don't—he's not commercial in any way. He did don't it because he loves it. his daughter, and it's great. Yeah, so it was—it uh, was a nice touch from him. And obviously, scoring the two goals, so that's why he's my player of the week.
2: I just wonder if someone's going to come in and sort of be like, "Oh, you're not allowed to do that," because. Nah, nah, nah. you're advertising copyright Disney,
1: maybe. blah,
0: blah, blah. Well, no,
2: no, not only copyright, but you're not allowed to carry sort of unapproved images, are you? So it sort of counts as you could argue it's a political message in some way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely. Good. Let
2: it go. Well, but the thing yeah. is, if I, if, I want, yeah, but if I wanted to print, like, say, um, I don't know, bloody Fidel Castro on my arm before I go out, then people would have a political problem with that, wouldn't they?
1: Slightly, I see what you're saying. Slightly different from... Elsa from Frozen.
2: Do you want to build a snowman? Is called for something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All
2: ways. I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, when they, you know, when they say "Let It Go," still, mm. it's an expression of uh, philosophy.
1: Atalanta winning four-one. Then uh, Alejandro Gomez, Dave, your shaft player of the week. We'll see if you won the vote in just a moment. Um, but they are up in sixth now, just two points behind them in seventh are somewhat resurgent into Milan uh, came back from behind at Udinese to win 2-1 making it four wins in a row for them uh, Joe Hart Torino meanwhile uh, a 0-0 draw with Sassuolo so uh, a clean sheet for brave Joe Hart uh, in Spain Barcelona somewhat poor start to 2017 continued Luis Enrique's side relying on a last gasp a Lionel Messi wonder goal to salvage a point at Villarreal um, it was a last minute free kick Uh it was about as top bins as you can get. It was it was pretty much perfect. Um, no Rakitic in the squad either, though. Um, Lawrence, one of your shouts for for a potential uh, team of the year inclusion. It's people plenty. are now making that into a rumor, aren't they? Well, it's fueling rumors because reports emerged in Croatia that uh, that Man City are trying to sign him. Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Chris? Because I mean, Barcelona have come out and tried to shut it down. Sky over here are reporting that City don't have an interest. Um, but you know, with some of these things, there is no smoke without fire, I mean, uh, could it be a good move for City and for Rakitic potentially, um, who has said he wants to play under Pep in the past? I think it would be. It's,
3: it's. I think, something we've talked about already. that The squad is, is maybe not where it needs to be for what Pep wants to do. So mid-season signings I'm always a little sceptical of because you don't have a huge time of a huge time to, to bed yourself in to build momentum. And actually, if anything, everyone around you is, is already uh, moving at a decent pace to be in with. It's a decent investment, but I'm confident that it would be a wise
2: investment. Mm. Um, did, did you also know that Messi, I don't know if this is a real stat or not, but I did read it online. <sighs> Messi scored against this goalkeeper, this free kick, right? Uh, and that's the first time that goalkeeper has conceded from a free kick, a direct free kick uh, in 160 games.
1: Wow. Yeah. Man, that's why Messi had to get it so top bins just to be him. Yeah. The, um, of bins. the result, though, does leave Barcelona five points adrift uh, of Real Madrid, who have a game in hand after their uh, their Club World Cup win uh, in the winter. Uh, they continued their seemingly unstoppable march to their first league title since 2012, thrashing Granada 5 0, equaling the all time record uh, in Spanish football uh, with 39 consecutive Games without defeat. Um, Benzema back, looking, uh, looking to form. Isco making his presence felt in the team. He got two goals. Uh, Luka Modric pulling the strings. Ronaldo, um, or the best, as he will apparently soon be known, uh, with a goal. It's, it's all looking good for Real Madrid. Very ominous, I think. And in the league are a five-point gap, which could uh, become eight once Real Madrid play their game in hand. You know uh, that could prove to be insurmountable. Um, in second place uh, is Sevilla, though, Dave. They're four points behind Real Madrid Um, and it was a 4-0 win uh, over Real Sociedad, Dave. Yeah,
4: well Sevilla again showing how well they're run as a club obviously losing uh, in your Emery, one of the best managers ever Um, and they've replaced him with a, you know, a an unknown quantity from South America another one that wouldn't make it in the Premier League and that's Sam Paoli, and he's just turned this side to the next level in terms of what they're doing Steven Zons has been absolutely fantastic in central midfield for them in um, this season uh, in, in terms of his work rate in terms of the passes he gets through and whatever but um, Ben Yebder is the guy that's sort of come up trumps in recent weeks and was absolutely fantastic against Real Sociedad who in a way, kind of shot themselves in the face multiple times. Uh, you know, the the three, the four goals that um, Severe <laughs> ah, scored. Ah yes, that old phrase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it's shooting themselves in the foot, but I love shooting themselves in the face because it sounds you're so much shot, more you guys,
4: brutal. You, guys, you know, like vocabulary, it's yeah. meant to be had sayings. It's meant, to yes. be, it's meant to be expanded. It's like throwing somebody under a boat. It's a similar thing. It's yes, a Pretty it, pretty gruesome Exactly.
1: Right, I think it's, right more right right it's more expressive. It's
3: more expressive.
1: yeah, can,
2: it's a little it's bit more brutal. It's meant to be expanded.
3: Would it be fair <laughs> to say that with that idiom or metaphor, Dave, you shot yourself in the face multiple times? No, no,
1: no, no, no. So, he shot himself in the toe. If you
4: shoot yourself in the foot, right, yeah, you're going to be a bit gutted. You'll be a bit mm. upset for a little bit of time. But if you shoot, you shoot yourself in the face, it's game over. And that's what uh, Sossiad did to themselves. Yes. You know, the, the defensive mistakes. The first goal was a shot from outside the area that was parried, Vitolo's shot, that was parried straight into uh, Ben Yebda's path. And then the, the two next goals were simple defensive mistakes. And that was the kind of the issue. But Ben Yebda really capitalizing on that. His mm. second goal, an unbelievable finish. And Gonzalo esque. Finish in a way a Gonzalo goals' S finish, and it was a brilliant goal. And he's a player that sort of you know is taking Sevilla to this next level with his goals. I'm pushing Barcelona for that second place in La Liga. I
2: love it. Dave, I, love I, it. I've got to take it, uh, I've got to take some sort of umbrage with this. I mean, the, the problem is that if you shoot yourself in the face, you're yes. not getting back up. Whereas I, actually, I don't it,
4: think Sevilla, it, not Sevilla... not Sevilla, sorry, I don't think Espanol are going to get No, Espanol. Let's get the team right. I don't think Real Sociedad are going to get back up after this. Lawrence, so- because- Sociedad
2: are going to play another game. All right. Um, and therefore, they the foot,
1: not look, the so face. Have you seen the documentary Fight Club? You can shoot yourself in the face and uh, you can be fine. So I think That's not the face, mate. That's the cheek. <laughs> the cheek is on the face, but you're not shooting yourself <laughs> in the face. I think Dave's term was more expressive. It painted a picture. And that's what's important with words. It doesn't have to make sense, you know. It just feet are pretty important in football. If you shoot yourself in it, it's pretty bad. I like uh, I like Dave's uh, terminology there. But moving on, go shoot yourself Uh, in the face. Atletico Madrid made it back-to-back wins uh, in the league for the first time since October. Uh, A 2-0 win over Ibar. Antoine Griezmann finally ending his goal drought. Uh, First league goal in ten games. Diego Simeone's side sitting in fourth now. Um, Of course, the other European leagues: Bundesliga and Liga. We'll be back next week, so we'll be talking about them then. But let's finish up quickly with Player of the Weekend. As voted for by you on Twitter, we put out four names earlier uh, in contention. In last place this week is your man, Dave, I'm afraid to say Alejandro Gomez. 20% of the votes. I'm sorry I'm, to say.
4: I'm not, I'm not angry, I'm just upset. Uh, yeah, rightly so. In probably.
1: second place, joint second place, uh, Wissam Ben Yeda. Your other shout, Dave, uh, a man in pressure this weekend where his hat trick. Oh, He's yeah, in second cool. place, hate so people hate you. tied with Wayne Rooney, um, who, as we said, earlier, oh, this course, is it. Broke Arsenal bloody fans again the, the record and proving proving that old myth correct. Arsenal myth. fans have won a Twitter poll once again. Olivier Giroud wins this weekend's Player of the Weekend. Thirty two percent of the votes he takes. The trophy home. We have to get a trophy knocked up. It can't be worse than the uh, the one that FIFA have got for the best. Um, not sure how we deliver it to the players. But uh, Olivier Giroud wins the award for player of the week this weekend. Congratulations. Um, he deserves some recognition, I think it's safe to say. And he's got it on this Does podcast. He? Uh, guys, that brings an end to this week's weekend review. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, do go and leave a review and a rating on on itunes we'll be back on thursday with the q a as always until then chris where can the good people where can the whole find you
3: uh k-h-e-n-e-a-g-e
1: lovely uh dave
3: youtube
4: search the front free. wait until monday i don't know what time but it will be monday in mm, a country today. in the world, oh, right, today yeah, it okay. will be some today point. somewhere. Yeah,
1: today. Like like <laughs>
4: and just keep hitting refresh and then subscribe, refresh, subscribe, oh. more to Gmail, create a new account, subscribe mm, again, then yeah. another one, and just keep doing that for makes maybe, sense. makes sense, maybe twelve hours, and then the video will come. and it'll
2: well, they, be great. <laughs> Dave, I can save these people a lot of time if you, if you go to YouTube and you want to subscribe to the front three, just press the little bell for notifications. Oh, yeah, no, I like, like
1: Dave's way better. You sit there oh, and refresh it for 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> YouTube's early. like there's been some sort of spike <laughs> in there, these yeah. people's numbers. <laughs> um, uh, Lawrence, where can people find you?
2: Uh, you just go to YouTube. You type in the front three. Ooh, uh, and you just go hit and you hit, keep hitting refresh a yeah. uh, number of times. And in the end, the search will work.
1: Do, um, do you come over also, to the YouTube channel though? This we, I,
2: I do need numbers on the Slash Football video. So if you could go over and uh, watch the oh, yeah. uh, Slash Football episode then uh, the more numbers I get on it, the more likely we are to make more travel
1: videos. Fantastic. Do go and check out Lost in Football. Uh, Lawrence McKenna, True Geordie. I I thought it was a a really great first video, Lawrence, I have to say. I mean, the pundits enjoyed it, but it's about the people. It's about the people. So do go and check it out. And do come and check out The Front Free on YouTube. As Dave says there, we're, we're trying to put out some content this week. We're going to try and get a regular thing going uh, some tactical analysis today. Wednesday, we're going to be looking at kind of a scout report, looking at players um, who have been linked with moves and on Friday will be the vlog, which seems to be a very uh, popular uh, series on the, the YouTube most channel. People, people just can't get enough of vlogs. They can't get enough of us, which is uh, which is gratifying <laughs> in many ways. Mate, I could
2: <laughs> win the league in, with Olympia, <laughs> mate. Uh,
1: and on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then, have a great week.